Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig. I'm your host here at OTM, and we've got a fun show for you tonight. We're going to be talking a little a little soccer or a little football, as they would say overseas. Not <laughs> painful word. I can, already, I can already sense it. They're talking about football before the show. When I think of football, I think of, you know, the old pigskin throwing it down the field. So we're going to have a fun, fun show for you tonight. But first, let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how are we doing? Doing well. We, uh, I was not as fortunate with a pack drop as our producer, Coop, behind the scenes today. Uh, so hopefully the people out there had a great opportunity to uh, maybe get a legendary, at least get one of those rebound ones. Uh, we're going to have some fun tonight and uh, obviously having this conversation about a space that honestly, um, a lot of us, I'd say, are tangentially, peripherally kind of aware of, um, but it just goes so much deeper than kind of the service level. If you're only familiar with kind of, you see a couple tweets and stuff here and there, or kind of some articles. And so really hoping today can learn from these two, um, you know, see what we can get from the larger NFT ecosystem, the sports collectibles area, um, and especially from a platform that has really found out how to make utility a key part of their NFTs. Um, and something that, you know, I think, uh, you know, we as collectors, as investors, as participants in this ecosystem, um, something that we can look out for, maybe we can kind of get predictive for, uh, you know, just places for us to uh, you know, improve our uh, approach. Yeah, I was doing some research before the show. So excited to learn all about So Rare tonight with our two special guests, two of the, the OGs when it comes to the So Rare community. So first, we have the co-host of the So Rare podcast, Mark, a.k.a. at Blockchain YNWA. Mark, how are we doing tonight? It's very, very late for you guys over in the UK. Appreciate it. Well, it's a little bit earlier for me. I know I'm one o'clock in the morning. HG, I know you're two o'clock in the morning. So, uh, But we got we got auctions 24-7. There's always something to keep you occupied on So Rare. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yes. So th- thanks for joining us late. And we have another OG So Rare member here, the founder of SoRareData.com, Mr. Maxime Hagenborger. How'd I do on that name? Yeah, pretty well. It's Hagenborger in French, but anyway, I mean, <laughs> pronounce it as you like in, in English. I guess everything works. But yeah, glad to be here. And um Hopefully, we'll bring some insights about SoRare. And uh, yeah, two o'clock, but you know, developers work all night long, so that's not a problem. Yes, love the love the late night grind. Over in the Top Shot streets, there's not much sleep to be had. Sounds like it's the same case over there with, with you guys and SoRare. So yeah, let's, uh, let's just kind of start things off. Mark, I think I'll kick it to you to start. So for any of our listeners out there that are not familiar with so rare how, how would you give a kind of brief explanation to someone who is not familiar at all with what so rare is i think we've all got slightly different interpretations of how we describe it to friends and and you know people that uh, you know send you questions by dm but i think in its purest sense uh if you if you put to one side the nft part of it it's it's a mixture between you know a, a hobby of collecting you know, sports cards, and in this case, it happens to be football cards, uh, and then combining that with what you guys refer to, you know, daily fantasy sports, and uh, what we would prefer to say over in Europe, fantasy football, um, and so using the cards that you own to play out uh, in fantasy football leagues. At the moment, it's against 
a global audience. Um, but I think in the not too distant future, we're going to get things like social leagues and you know, HG through his platform has already created ways in which we can narrow down the, uh, the competitor base to people that have got certain regions of cards or teams of cards. So yeah, it's it's fundamentally collecting, you know, digital football stickers and uh, letting them play out in in tournaments where you can you can win some serious ETH and you know some serious cards that are, have got to, some 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 nice values. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I was doing some some of my reading. It sounds like it, it really does combine some of the collector's elements that we see in NBA Top Shot with some of the more fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports type related things where there's actually some some impact to be had as things play out on the field. And then, so Maxime, another one of the things that I saw is the difference between rare, super rare, and unique cards. So could you tell the people a little bit about how that breaks down? Yeah, basically, like, um, one player has 100 cards, rare cards, every year. So every season, every football season, um, each player has... 100 rare cards, 10 super rare cards, and one unique card. Um, so, yeah, basically, you have limited supply every year. So, you know that the card you're going to get this year, um, there's going to be 99 others, not one more. And, um, yeah, that's limited. It's pretty limited right now. Uh, we're talking about a new scarcity being introduced in the coming weeks, um, let's say months. Um, but yeah, it's pretty basic and I guess pretty easy to understand. Yeah. I think one of the differences there with top shot is, uh, while we have the scarcity, the circulation count of individual moments as they come out, we don't have as much of a line of sight to the roadmap of what they're going to put out going forward. And I think that's one of the things there's a level of kind of a criticism, um, that people have of top shot is that hey, how am I supposed to invest in this player's moment now if I don't know whether they're going to have more rare moments that come out in the future, more valuable moments going forward? Um, and I think it, so it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have a bit more of a view of kind of over the year what's expected to come out, and uh, you can that can kind of influence your actions. Yeah, we're pretty sure that not one more rare card would be issued during one year because it's like in the smart contracts and everything can check that and check the code and we're sure of it. But um, yeah, that I, I didn't know that about Top Shot, but it seems a bit strange to me that um, if you if you're issuing like scarce moments or stuff and <laughs> any kind of stuff anyway, that you don't have like when you buy it. Um, the um, total number of um, items that will be issued. It's a bit strange to me, but I guess, I guess everything the, works. But, so the total uh, number, the total number of a specific moment is known. Sometimes, but, but some, yeah, but you don't know if that same player could maybe have different moments in the future, right? So well, in, that, in so those pack what? drops that come out. You've got, you know, I started off with the Cosmics, which are out of 30. And then there has, and I've seen some now, which are out of, is it 35,000? 30 to 35,000? Correct, 35,000. Do all, I mean, I've not seen a pack drop which hasn't been fully sold. So you always get all those cards into, all those moments into circulation. Whereas I think that, again, a difference maybe in Serrera is there is up to 100 rares, 10 super rares, and a unique. But if a player was to transfer to, let's say, an, an unlicensed team, or we've had, you know, sadly the passing of, you know, Diego Maradona, for example, you know, uh, early on in a season, automatically the count stops there. So there might only be 
you know, there are some rare cards where there is actually only one in circulation. The other 99 weren't even produced. So a lot of it has to do with seasons. A lot of it has to do with potential transfers, uh, even staying alive. So, you know, I think that what I see is a difference. You guys have a pack drop, even it's out of 30, 50, 100, whatever it happens to be, all those moments find their way into different wallets uh, for, a, you know, future yeah. ownership and, and trading. Whereas we could have, I know there's not many cars, is there, HD, that actually have a full 100 of 100. Some oh. of the goalkeepers do it. Uh, yeah, but that has, it has, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but what's interesting is that you have different dynamics. Um, let's say when cards are being released, like um, they're released by basically 10, the first 10 are issued and you have like high prices for the first 10. And when you go throughout the year, sometimes the price uh, goes a bit down because already 10 cards have been issued and like maybe people already got their cards. And I think there's a difference between releasing uh, all the moments at the same time and just have like um, cards being issued throughout the year. And um, you can find the right price that you want, uh, but obviously it's not the same um, selling method between Torreya and um, Topshot. Uh, I think we'll get to that, but because it's auction, you can find the right price at the right time. If you want to buy a player, let's say, you don't want the first card, you wait until the 50th or, or something and get a good price for it. Yeah, I think you touched on a, a good topic there that I think is a, a next thing to talk about is in the top shot world, you can essentially acquire moments through one of two ways. You can either get in line for a pack drop and hope that, that you draw a number and, and are able to get a pack and open moments that way, or you can go to the marketplace and essentially people that own different moments can put that moment for sale for a certain asking price, you can go ahead, make that purchase within the marketplace where it is different in that there it's auction based. So could you guys talk a little bit about how that auction works and how you go about acquiring different cards in the so rare, so rare world? Yeah, Mark, do it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, look, the, the, as you said, the fundamental difference is that, that we don't have packs in the rare world. Um, I'll put aside the fact that uh, you, you you do when you start as a rookie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's say. funny. So for anyone that's so anyone that out there that goes to sign up for So Rare, I started that process prior to the show. It asked me to open a pack when we get started, and I was talking to Mark about it before the show. I was like, oh, I was going to open my pack like on stream or whatever was kind of what I was thinking. But then I realized that pack openings in the So Rare, Rare world is actually not really a thing. So that that that's. Yeah, I feel like yeah. for a Top Shot user coming across, that could be a bit of a misleading, confusing yeah, experience. Yeah, look, I think future iterations will, will definitely improve upon that. It's certainly not indicative of the experience. I mean, that is just a basic free-to-play experience where you can use some cards, enter into what's called the Rookie League. There are some blockchain cards that you can win from enter from, from finishing in the top three in that Rookie League. But after eight game weeks, that's it. You've got to make a decision at that point. If you haven't bought any cards, are you going to buy some cards, going to commit to the game and play in the real leagues? Or, you know, is this not for you and you, and you can move on again? But in the real game... There are auctions now every 60 seconds, 24-7. Uh, yeah. The auctions for rare cards start at 0.01 ETH. No, actually, it's a little bit less than that now. They're, they're done mm -hmm. on a, a euro value. Five euro is my guess, but maybe... Okay. Yeah, yeah five, 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 euros. five euros. I think Super Rares, there must be 50 euros and, uh, and the uniques are 500 euros. You can bid at any time you like. 
Um, the clock will always reset back to at least 60 seconds if you're trying to snipe a, a particular auction in, 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 the, in, the, in the dying seconds. Uh, and you must bid 10% greater than the previous value. And yeah, I mean, like most auctions that you would see, you know, a lot of the action tends to take place in, 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 in the last couple of minutes. I think fortunately over the course of two years, we've had precious little downtime. I mean, there's, there's been a few glitches here and there, which I think are to be expected, but you know, 99.9% .9 of the auctions have gone through smoothly. So you can always, if you're fearful of them downtime, you can get your, get your bids in early, but uh, there's nothing to say that that should be, you know, happening on a regular basis. And yeah, then there's a, a very vibrant and active secondary market as well. So they, they run side by side. You've got your primary auctions, which are, are auctions that Sarare sell 24 seven. And then you've got secondary markets, which is either within the platform itself or you can export your cards out to sell them on a third party like OpenSea. Um, yeah, they're, 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 fr they're freely tradable. And then within the platform itself, you know, similar to you've got, you've got gifting at the moment, I think, which, you know, you know, Justin, you could then just send one of your cards across to, uh, to TJ. Uh, we could do that as well. Um, but there are ways in which we can actually send card plus ETH offers in exchange for cards from another manager as well. So again, Discord is a very active uh, channel where people, can, where managers can talk to each other, and it might not just be a case of "Do you want to buy my card? Let's agree a price." It might be a case of "You've got that card, I've got this card." Okay, there's a little bit of difference in ETH. I'll send you this card with some ETH, and you send me that card back. But yeah, you can send 10, 20 cards all in one go, and and I think again that's becoming a, a very active part of the game. But yeah, finding cards, acquiring cards is never an issue because say so you can turn onto the auctions any any hour of the day and there'll be auctions available for you to get your teeth into. And so let me take it, I think we lost Maxine, but hopefully he'll be able to join back in. Um, let me take it to a high level then, because as someone who you know has never played, um, we're gonna add him back in. Um, from what I'm understanding, so I joined the site, I get this pack, which is really just a kind of freebie pack, just to kind of get me engaged. What I want, want to do is I want to actually play and be competitively in one of the leagues. And so for me to do that, I need to kind of, I go to these auctions and I buy players, right? And so I'm buying cards of players. And can you kind of talk through like, what am I looking for? What am I hoping to achieve here? And then yeah. like, how do you kind of decide whether or not it's worth buying someone? And what are you hoping to kind of get out of that person for that person's card? Sure. Yeah. Just just on 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 the opening at the packs at the beginning. What you're getting is you're getting almost like a a trial version of the of the cards that you would you you would see in in the actual game itself. So almost you know, let's say you've got a a LeBron James cosmic or whether it's it's almost like a ghost version of that card. So you can touch and feel and you can you can see it's you know uh, different parts of it, but you can't. It's not tradable. It's not you know have any value. Can't list it on the market. But effectively, what you would do from day one is. You would you you would need to compose a team, and a, a team comprises of five uh, individual players. So, in position terms, each team requires a goalkeeper, each team requires a defender, each team requires a midfield player, each team requires a forward, and then your fifth player can be any of the outfield positions. So, you could run a team with two defenders, run a team with two midfielders, or you could run a, a team with uh, two forwards. Um, there are different categories of tournaments. Uh, tends to split into regions. 
So we've got an Asian region, which covers cards that are issued from Japan, from Korea. There's a couple from China, which are in, in, in the system. So you can play a particular region. There's the MLS region and the American MLS cards are mixed in with cards from Argentina. They're mixed in with cards uh, from Mexico as well. Uh, you've got the main European regions, which is where a large percentage of the cards are. Europe split into two. They've got what's called the European Champions region, which is for the top five recognised league in the world, arguably. The Premier League, the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A and Ligue 1. And then you've got the rest of the uh, European leagues, which form European challenges. Um you should probably want to get your head into the seasons of football as well, because, again, the MLS uh, has a different uh, season to the traditional European seasons. We run from July, August through till May. You guys are just about to start your season late April and take that through to, I think, November time. So the nice thing is you've got utility for certain cards at different times of the year as well. So you want to pay attention to the calendars because you could go and buy some great European cards now. Uh, the market is starting to level off for European cards because we're coming towards the end of the season. But come middle of May, you're going to get no utility out of these cards until this, the next European season starts up again in August. So at the moment, people are typically uh, building teams around MLS teams uh, and into Japan, into Korea, who have just started their seasons and are going to, again, be uh, active all the way and through to November, December. But I think, again, there's so many good tutorials from the community uh, that will cater to managers coming in from different backgrounds, whether that's geographically, whether that's financially. Um, you know, we've got a mixture of managers that do like to collect. But I think the way the game is geared at the moment, it's more geared towards coming in and buying a compet as competitive a squad as you can for as little money. And then getting yourself on the leaderboards to either try and win a weekly ETH prize. So there's certain thresholds that if your players achieve certain points within a week, you can receive a, a 0.01 or 0.02 ETH uh, payout. So you're playing against the game effectively. Uh, and within that as well, your team is also competing against others on the, on the global leaderboard. And again, if you finish high, up, high enough up the leaderboard, you can claim a card prize or you can claim an ETH plus card prize as well. So there's two elements to it. Playing the game, and a lot of people will start that way. They'll come in, they'll pick up their first five, ten cards. Uh, and with those five, ten cards, they'll look to achieve the minimum threshold to gather that 0 0.01, 0 0.02 ETH each week. Uh, and if you're lucky and if you're competing towards the higher end of the leaderboards, You'll, you'll hit the threshold, but you might also hit another ETH amount and you might also hit a, a, a free card as well, which might complement the team that you've already built. Or you can then sell into the marketplace and use that ETH to, to go and acquire someone else. And it sounds like so you can kind of this kind of two different you either go the cheapest method possible to try to just get to that base reward or the other side is, is it just a the rich get richer? Is it just a hey, if I buy the five most expensive, the most valuable cards. Like I'm not guaranteed to win, but it probably makes it very difficult for someone who's not willing to spend that capital compete against them. Is that right? Potentially. Uh, I think one of the things which people are starting to realize is because the, the quality of the year, and I'm, I'll be careful because I know your audience is, is very North American dominated. Uh, the quality of European football, let's say, I believe to be on a slightly higher level than that of the MLS counterparts. I think everyone with, believes that. <laughs> okay. But with that said, you're going to get a lot more goal action. You're going to get a lot more errors. And typically a game in Europe, which might be one nil, two nil, and everybody maybe flatlines with an average of 55, 60 points. 
you are actually getting some big standout scores. And when you look at our global all-star leaderboard, where you can field five players from any region, any combination, what you tend to find is that the outliers that are hitting the, the 90 and the 100 points are these obscure guys from Japan or Korea or, or you know, or, or America. Whereas the bigger names like the Mbappes, you know, the, and, the, and the Mo Salas and the Ronaldos, they might be hitting 70 or 80, but, you know, the chances are there's always going to be someone in the database that you've, you, you've, you've not heard of that, that, that comes in and trumps that with a, with, with a higher score. But to answer your question directly, yes, at the end of the day, the value of those cards also, I believe, has more longer-term residual value because an Mbappe today or Ronaldo today or someone who's got a, a global reputation above and beyond that of an MLS or a K-League or a J-League player as more managers come in to play the game, and I think we're at you know five to ten thousand active managers now on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. If that's twenty thousand, and that drifts to thirty thousand, you would think for every thousand managers that enter the game, there's going to be a high percentage of them that want to jump straight in and buy a Ronaldo or an Mbappe or someone like that. They're not going to go. I'm going to go and buy that guy in the K League that I saw have a, a, a monster game last weekend. So I think yeah. You can always compete with the very best. And, and, you know, the difference between the rich getting richer is that, you know, we've got different divisions and different divisions help to segment those that have got unique cards from those that have got super rare cards. So you're not coming up with your you know, newly bought rare cards up against someone that's got a number of uniques. So you've got different divisions. So you can always find your lane and and, and, and play within that uh, uh, division that suits your, you know, the, the style of cards that you've bought. Um, but there's, there is progression between each division. The higher you finish up in each division, the rewards should prepare you for the next division up. So if you win division four, you're getting you know a nice amount of ETH. You're getting you know a star card, and that star card should allow you to then to go up to division three. Division three then starts to get you involved in you know super rare cars, which you need to then unlock and start uh, playing into division two and beyond as well. So yeah, the, the rewards are being tinkered with, you know, there's a lot of great community feedback that comes in at the team take on board and each new iteration hopefully allows for that progression so that wherever you start on the ladder, you, you've got the chance to, to, to keep progressing up. I like it. I think TJ, I'm going to ask one thing, uh, probably because our audience here and people who are going to be listening and podcast later, you know, a lot of people come from the top shot world and what's really been a lot of people's minds right now has been from the marketplace, from prices and in top shot, you know, with February, March, we saw kind of a lot of excitement. Prices went really up and they've just kind of gradually been going down since. Uh, and that's actually kind of mirrored a lot of the NFT markets as well. Maybe a little less of the spikes that we've seen elsewhere, but how have the uh, prices, how has the market kind of looked for so rare over the past like two months? And kind of how is that, you know, aligned to what your familiarity is with other NFTs? Yeah. I think, Maxime, if we have you, I'll throw this at you. Yeah. You, can you guys hear me well? Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Good. My ASP decided to ban me from whatever. Um, yeah. So we had a bit of a frenzy like uh, for one month, um, like let's say end of February and uh march like guys coming and just buying mbappes all over the place or joao felix like we had gary v's um coming and uh bought like seven joao felix um <laughs> even even though he's basically worthless in the game right now because he's either not playing or playing badly um <laughs> yeah or injured now um but um yeah 
um, it kind of drove up um, the market up. Um, we had like people buying any card uh, that was below um, 0.025 ETH. So that's basically twice the price that um, um, like the lowest cards uh, available on the market before. But right now, it's it, the hype has gone down a bit. Um, um, it's difficult to evaluate how because we didn't have like uh, Mbappe on auction for quite some time. Um, uh, Neymar also. Um, so we're a bit waiting on um, auctions to set the market price um, because right now people on the secondary market are just trying to see what's the best price, but um, it just goes down and down. But to where, we don't really know right now. Yeah, I think the price has mirrored some of the other NFT games out there, but I do think uh, it's 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 not that closely correlated because I think the value of the NFTs in Serer are, are, are determined, you know, by and large by a player's form. I think as we touched on a few minutes ago, the seasonality, you know, would you go and pay over the odds for a card now that has three or four weeks worth of utility before a three month break? Uh, and I think we see, you know, quite quite i think quite big swings i mean there's certain regions i don't partake in and i've been just been watching for example the price of mls cards since you know december have just kept going up and up and up and up and up in anticipation of now being able to be used in in in, in, in this coming weekend um asia as well you know as the off season was november december that's when the market price was at the low for those particular cards. And again, as we built up towards the start of the Korean League and the J League this, you know, past few weeks, those prices go up. So I think, you know, I think naturally if there's money slushing around in the NFT world, and there was obviously in February when, you know, Sarer had a nice uh, bit of press uh, following their capital raise, a lot of the top shot guys came over and, you know, probably took profit from, you know, or, or money out of nice sales that they were able to make uh, for, from their moments and thought they'd diversify and put some into some, some, some cards and Serer. But if you're not going to uh, utilize those cards, you know, say there's influencers that have come in and bought and maybe thought, oh, well, these are just going to go up like my LeBrons or like my Giannis and stuff like that. It's not really the case. You've got to put these cards to work for you. And maybe, again, one of the differences between the two platforms is that the utility actually defines and and puts a ceiling on some of the values that our cards can actually achieve because it only takes one injury um, or retirement. And all of a sudden the, you know, the value of your card, you know, is, is pretty much gone. Someone might want it as a keepsake. Someone might want it because they're, you know, emotionally attached to that card or player or, or club that the player plays for. But, you know, we're buying these cards first and foremost, in most cases for the utility value. Uh, whereas I think, again, you can explain you can correct me if I'm wrong, with the moments there, it's all about getting the right moments. But at that point, because there's there's nothing to do with it, yes, you can try and trade down for a, a lower serial number. And, you know, I'm fascinated to hear your, your views on why a serial number eight of 1,000 is different to something which is six of 1,000 or 12 of 1,000. And... Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's utility that maybe puts it up a limit on a lot of the cards because if we didn't have the utility, 
and there was only 50 Mbappes or 100 Mbappes in the world, then once those Mbappes had gone, they wouldn't hit the market ever again. People would just store them and, and then never change hands. But if Mbappe gets injured for nine months, there'll be managers out there that would sell that Mbappe and use that ETH and then go and buy other cards which weren't injured so that they could then continue to compete yeah. in tournaments. And what's funny is that we've seen like people buying Mbappes and Cristiano Ronaldo's like crazy and not being able to participate to tournaments. And like we had, that was pretty good for the game actually because we had like half of Mbappes cards uh, being removed of the game because the guys that bought uh, the cards like are not interested in playing um, the actual game. And so basically well, what we can see about this is like, It's basically investor or collector money that uh, went into these cards, and it's something that we didn't really see on Soya before um, before March. And um, it's really interesting to see where it will be going, or if uh, utility will be the driving, um, yeah, the main factor for for the price. Yeah, I mean, so obviously you both are power users of the site, but trying to think about like the rest of the community, how many hours a week do you think people kind of need to spend on there to kind of you know, have a level of success? I, I mean, Mark, you should spend like maybe 30 to 40 hours. No, maybe 50, I think, or I don't know. I would well, guess it's like- My, my knowledge of football, I need to spend as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say you need like, let's say 10 hours. I'd say like you need like maybe- you have two game weeks per actual week and if you want to do things pretty well i think one or two hours um evaluating your players their matchups uh if they are injured suspended um it can take like two good hours to do it well um and if you want to get the good opportunities on the market you have to be pretty <laughs> behind your screen and refreshing the website or going on so data to <laughs> see the good prices. But, yeah, but good segue. Yeah, uh, it, it can be very, very time consuming. Yeah, yeah I think you, you, can put as, you can put as much or as little into it as you want. I think in the early stages, in the gathering stages, if you're cost conscious, then you will need to spend a little bit more time making sure that, you know, when you are buying those first cards, that you are making sure you're getting the right price or you, you're getting a fair deal for them. You know, we've had, again, users that come in that clearly don't have that level of patience and they'll go and snaffle up stuff off the market without even looking maybe at the secondary market. Maybe the price discovery isn't there or they want a clean card straight off the auction. And, and so there's always going to be, you know, some, some anomalies there. But uh, I think most people come in and say, because there's so many good community uh, curated uh, content from the community now whether that be through video tutorials you know pods like this you know through you know the hard work you know hg's done in, in pretty much in showing all the data that's it's it's possible on every single historical card and it's all there for the taking so and it's no surprise that the the managers that tend to feature towards the higher end of the leaderboards are the ones that you can tell they know their stuff they they, they probably spend a lot of time watching football 
Uh, and once you've got your cards in your collection, or once you're comfortable with the amount of cards that you've got in your collection, then it is, as HG said, just a case of setting aside the time on the two days of the week to set your teams and and get and make sure you, you, you don't put in an injured player or someone that's suspended by mistake. So just making sure that you read basic sports news to, 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 to make sure you don't trip yourself up. Um, but until you've got your collection, or even when you have, there's probably, you, you always got one eye on all. Oh, if only I could maybe trade him out and I'll buy I'll, I'll, I'll get this one instead. He's an upgrade on someone that I've got in my collection. There's always something you can be doing and there's always things that you can be reading and learning from other members of the community as well. Yeah. Very I know cool. you mentioned like, from event, uh, you know, uh, the venture capital money that came in, like there were definitely some big names. I think it was Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit, Serena Williams' husband. I know Gary Vee is one of the investors. I believe just yesterday, Daryl Murray, uh, Daryl Murray, the uh, president of basketball operations, I believe right now for the Sixers. Um, just tweeted yesterday about so rare as well. Uh, so I mean, definitely still has a lot of momentum and stuff. It'll be interesting to see kind of going forward uh, how that market kind of is impacted by not just the kind of one-off hype, but uh, more kind of growth. Can I ask you guys a question? Because uh, we've just recently had some actual football players come into the game and they get a, a verified tick now. We actually had Anton Griezmann from uh, from Barcelona pick up his first unique card today in a in a really interesting auction early this morning. Uh, in terms of basketball players, are they getting involved in Top Shop and how are they getting involved in, in, in the game and, and helping the, yeah, yep. the growth on your side? Yeah, so just for starters, uh, the NBA and the, and the NBA Players Association are both heavily engaged as partners to Dapper Labs. Uh, so there's already that kind of, I'd say, top-down support. And then a lot of the kind of organic interactions have been bottoms up. So you probably have about 30 to 40 players that have accounts on the site. And you probably have about 5 to 10, maybe 5 to 15 that are, like I'd say, very active. Um, so um, like one player, Harrison Barnes, has been one of the most uh, kind of active buyers over the past month or so. Uh, you have another one whose name is Josh Hart, who like is just loves it from a game perspective, is buying up a bunch, is getting packs, he's doing live streams to show the opening of those packs and such. Uh, and then you're starting to get like the kind of smack talk on the court. So you've gotten some like quotes from players talking about like, oh, you're going to top shot that or like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll show you that top shot highlight. And it's It's cool just to see like, I think there is a natural engagement that's just fun aspect to it. And uh, obviously, like Top Shot's more than happy to like, hey, yeah, you want to promote our product? I'm like, yeah, we'll get, we'll throw you a couple packs and stuff, or we'll put you on our live stream and such. Um, and there haven't been any kind of like formal, like big marketing pushes around it, but there's just been kind of more that bottoms up. Uh, the players actually are interested in. Similar to um, you know, football, uh, the NBA, they're 19, 18 when they join, you know, 19, 20 when they're joining the league. So, like, you've got young kids who have grown up playing these more kind of video game styles, if it's FIFA or whatever, and see the kind of, you know, similarities of this kind of card collecting, even if they weren't physical card collectors, that digital aspect to it, um, I think is very engaging. No, I think for me personally, that's, it's, it's, it's a buzz when, you know, you've, you've got, players that you want to go and first collect but then the the chance of them actually then discovering the game and then playing the game themselves and then at some point you know yeah doing battle against them on the leaderboard with or without their own cards <laughs> it's pretty fun yeah. yeah and i mean like one of the things is you because it's blockchain you can see when a player buys and owns a card and so there's talk about like hey you know 
if this player shows that they had ownership of it, is that kind of like you go to a, a football game and a player gives you your cleats or something or your jersey or something? Like, and, you know, and how do you know that that was actually that person's cleat? Well, you don't truly know. But here, if you buy that moment from them, you can tr- prove through provenance that this was held by that player. And it kind of gives a level of kind of a unique authenticity, um, almost like a, you know, a signature kind of thing. Yeah, about blockchain. What do you think? What What do you guys think about, and what the community think about, like Flow, Dapple Labs, and uh, not being on Ethereum right now? Um, is that seem like a problem, an advantage, or just whatever? I think, in general, probably more of a strength um, because Dapper Labs started with CryptoKitties and the problems that CryptoKitties had on Ethereum, kind of just shutting down the network when there was that high transaction in 2017. And now, more recently, the people who do have engagement with, <laughs> with Ethereum, the gas fees and everything, and all that kind of pain. And when you're working with Flow, like for the most part, you don't really even know you're using a blockchain, um, other than kind of like the whole like okay, I can use crypto to put it on Dapper Labs and to put my Dapper dollars and stuff and make purchases. And I think the real blockchain components just come in when you're like, okay, someone explains to you why you're able to see all these transactions. Someone explains like our website, OTM NFT, like why you're able to be able to see and get access to all this data. Okay, well, because of the blockchain, then you may have a conversation about what the blockchain is and what benefits it has. But for the majority of users, you can be a top shot user, go through the entire experience, marketplace, showcases, opening packs, and not really know what blockchain is or why it's important. And uh, I think that's actually one of the best ways that blockchain is used. Cool. Cool to know. Yeah, I have more like a tech opinion on the subject. So yeah, but it's interesting to um, get your opinion on this because what I've seen on um, Dapper, especially was withdrawal issues like... uh, having to wait for many days to get your money. Um, is that solved now? Or is it like, did you guys have I've had any problem with it? Yeah, so I mean, I would say that's a, there have definitely been some challenges with Dapper Labs, the team. Um, and I guess I wouldn't say that that's really a blockchain issue, but I understand why you can be like, okay, the lack of central, I mean, the lack of decentralization. Um, withdrawals is more of a know your customer anti-money laundering and just uh you know them going through the process so i guess you could say because there's more of a central uh organization that's actually doing the onboarding and offboarding they're the ones who kind of oversee that money aspect um i think it's definitely still a challenge for a lot of people just because people join and they're the process to be able to withdraw something around 30 to 60 days on average um I personally have not had an issue. It took me about that 60 days and then I got the access and that was kind of just it. Um, but without a doubt, it is a pain point for some. Um, a lot of it though was probably more of just a team of a, a team that was not, you know, was ready for this level of scale and then, you know, just yeah. had to react to it and stuff. And, but yeah. and it's just taking a while to get that access to the first withdrawal. Once, once your account, Yeah. has access to the withdrawals it only takes a couple of days is my understanding okay. no just oh, yeah. to just to say like there's no kyc procedures on sora so um, you come you deposit s and you withdraw it um as you wish so yeah that's a bit of a difference but i understand why they do it and why it's pretty important to do it but yeah that's also a difference between top shot and sora that yeah maybe some of your top shot users don't know about 
I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, so I come from the enterprise blockchain space and we're always talking with clients around like whether you should use a public or private permission or permissionless blockchain and kind of what those benefits are. Um, and I think if you're trying to reach the mass market, um, the benefits of using a permission blockchain such as Flow uh, outweigh the kind of benefits of the permission per, the, the permission list, the fully decentralized nature of some of these. Um, and I think there's this level of lack of, I don't know, understanding of some, some of the criticisms of Dapper Labs in the uh, top shot is, oh, you don't really ever actually own those NFTs because you're still relying upon flow and if flow shut down, like, are you really going to be able to take them off of a network that doesn't exist? Like, are you going to go pay to fund that network and build it back up? Uh, and like, I understand these tech arguments. And to be honest, I personally feel that there's also a level of that for Ethereum too. You still are dependent upon this, you know, even your NFTs on Ethereum are still dependent upon that network continuing to exist and not go through a hard fork or some craziness. Um, now, what is more reliable, you know, long-term viability of flow or uh, you know, Ethereum, I think folks would probably feel Ethereum. But like, I think these risks still exist from a technology stance um, and just got to figure out what you're willing to give up, what, you know, benefits you want to gain. Yeah, I guess, the Yeah. I guess on Ethereum, it's more like a company issue. Like if so, I stops to operate for some example, because of some reason, legal reasons for some, for some example. Um, yeah, your NFTs still exist, but basically uh, someone could build a company or a game around alts or NFTs, but they are basically worthless. And um, yeah, I guess it's not about the blockchain. It's pretty much about the company and um, um, trusting them to build a product and deliver over the long time instead of either <laughs> Ethereum will uh, have minus uh, issues or, or stuff like that. So, and I guess that um, people like Mark who were there from the beginning um, maybe look like kind of crazy people to have spent money on uh, digital cards that were bought by like 10 people at the beginning. And um, the um, recent 50 million um, uh, fundraising like validated all the presents said, okay, that's legit. We can now invest money in this because we're pretty sure it's going all the way and it's going to be a mature product in like two or three years. So yeah, and, and it's pretty interesting to see all users that are coming from the crypto space and the blockchain space are like focusing on Soria being a trustable company. Like if they do something that is even remotely shady or a mistake, they're like, uh, can can we trust you? Can we trust you? And and people don't realize that blockchain is actually a thing, or it's actually interesting like to certify that you actually own an NFT. They just like is Sora going to make it and is Sora uh, going to make my NFT work, um, uh, like last uh, a lifetime? Yeah. Yeah, and I think to that point, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of if I'm trying to evaluate the viability of NFTs and the long-term you know, value of them, it's all about the community aspect. And community is probably built around the product too. So product comes into play. If I'm buying digital art, I'm, you know, I'd rather use Ethereum. I'd rather use something where if that artist doesn't, something happens to that artist or like I'm not locked into an ecosystem around art for something like Top Shot or So Rare. Like 
it's only going to be successful. It's only going to have any value if there's still a product who is running this game, if there's still a product who is actually, you know, continuing to make these and having the relationship with the NBA. I guess maybe you could say in five years, like, would my cosmic, would my most valuable moment still have value if Top Shot disappeared? Like maybe they have some historical significance of like this company that existed, but then disappeared maybe. And like, would I then want to make sure I can get them off flow? Like, yeah, probably. But I think more likely they're only going to have value if this company and your product has that long-term success as well. Um, And so I agree with you there. Like it's more important for me to be bought into the product and the company than me trying to worry about like, oh, well, what if this company fails? Then while I still have an opportunity to get my money, like, it's not going to matter anyways. You're well, making what about a, a what, about, what about a scenario whereby, you know, we're playing our game intensely, you're playing your game intensely. I say, I've got a partner in in uh, in California who's built up, you know, a, a sizable Top Shot uh, uh, collection. So shout out to Glorious101. I thought I'd give him a plug there. Um, at some point, you know, we've done off-the-book transactions where I've traded Sarare cards for Top Shot moments. And fast forwarding, maybe another, may only be a year, two years from now, I'm sure you guys are looking forward to other North American sports, you know, a lot of, you know, other sporting franchises coming in and, and replicating, you know, the success of Top Shot and Sarare, you know, there might be other sports as well. You know, for me as a, as a digital collector, you know, if I want to trade my Mbappe for a LeBron at the moment, we're reliant on the fact that they're on completely different networks until there's still that okay i've got someone's got to take that leap of faith to say i'll send you this and then you send me that back in return and i i can imagine in the future the fact that there'll be nfl nhl nba mlb football and you know there'll be people wanting to trade serious cards for serious cards across different genres of sports as well Uh, so how do you see the potential for those transactions to become a lot smoother and, and for this really to be, you know, uh, yep. a global network of, of trading sports. Uh, yeah. And I think that'll be very, um, it, it'll be commonplace. So Roham, even on Twitter, I think it was two days ago and the tweet stream with Haralabob uh, was actually specifically saying that they have direct plans to be able to take your NFTs off of flow and put them on other blockchains. Uh, and then you'd be able to say, okay, we can go on OpenSea and we can actually make a transaction. I believe there's going to be a variety of marketplaces where you can buy and sell these various sport collectibles, not just the marketplace for that site. Um, and then I think the other is Dapper Labs is hoping that they're also going to be doing NFL. They already have plans for mixed martial arts, UFC. They have the Dr. Seuss, which is not even the sport. And so, I mean, they're going to make it very easy to make these transactions on a flow. But I think we're also going to, and they've already mentioned that there's lineup site to it, to be able to take them um, off flow and your digital ownership of it. Um, and I mean, we're also getting into conversations around interoperability between different blockchains as well. And like how you have these atomic transactions between two digital assets. And like these, like we're in a game aspect with all this, but like these are some of the hardest tech challenges that some of the Fortune 500 companies are trying to solve. Like interoperability for supply chains with regards to like enterprise applications is a very difficult question because you have all these multi-parties all trying to solve these various things. And like, if I'm building on one blockchain today, how do I know that this future blockchain or this, or this other industry's blockchain, I'm going to be able to talk to it. And so companies are right now trying to figure out what that is. And so I think just really cool that like 
this company, Dapper Labs, so rare like companies that are kind of building these games are also going to be at the forefront of technology and ways that you can have this kind of digital asset interoperability. Yeah, no, can't wait. Yeah. I want to. I want to get my hands on. Uh, there's, you know, there's so many iconic moments in sport. I mean, we had one yesterday in the, in the Masters, and you know, it, it's you know, when the when the right franchises come to play and start tokenizing a lot of these uh, special moments, you know, again, you know, we will take off our football hat, and you know, we want to start getting involved in some of these other things as well because I've helped some people get involved in Top Shot. You know, some Top Shot guys have come over and. You know, I've chatted to them before they've made their first moves in, in, in into Sarare. And yeah, there still is, you know, despite the fact there are a lot of similarities between both of the companies and and, 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 and the growth curves, there's still a very steep learning curve from from one going into an, in, into another. Yeah. And I do want to make sure you're being clear when you mentioned the great master's moment. That was Justin Rose doing the hip swivel, right? That was the... Um, I've oh, got to. I've got to say, I, I was Matsuyama all the way. Uh, I, I wanted John Rahm to, to to have a little bit of a stronger finish. It would have been great to see him uh, take up to minus eight, minus nine, and then see if uh, anyone fell away. But uh, no, it's just, oh, just the Masters for me. The Masters can beat some of the uh, international games of football we saw in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, I, I, I would love some. <laughs> I would love some golf digital collectibles moments in some way i think that that would be i think that would be a huge hit honestly yeah yeah i feel like people would would really enjoy that and then it'd be kind of a global thing as well but, you could have just the masters and it would be amazing there'd be so yeah. many highlights that i can immediately think of like all the ride the cup the ride the cup as well right that would be awesome too are you guys like um think that it's important to have like a, a highlight or a moment attached to your nft or um do you think like NBA cards like Soria cards would have worked the same way, at least have the same success than um, or than moments or moments make the difference. I was talking to an artist curator two days ago, and they were asking me my thoughts on kind of digital art and NFTs and such, and how they should be advising their uh, traditional artists on like you know creating the space. And the example I gave is so if you take the Campbell's soup and you put that as an NFT. I think like, yeah, it would sell and stuff, but it wouldn't be as cool as if it was that Campbell's soup that kind of was turning around and maybe pouring the soup out. I think taking a physical thing like a you know cardboard physical card and putting it on the blockchain is fine, but being able to take that next step, like you have this new technology, take advantage of it, add sound, add visuals, add the video graphics, a GIF or whatever it is. And so that's where I think like, Making it that 10, 15 second gift that Top Shot did was a great step in the right direction. I think adding sound is the next one too. Um, and when you compare it to like what you're seeing, Tops and some of these other uh, MLB side, which are historical physical card companies, and then just putting those on the blockchain, I don't know, it doesn't do it as much for me. Yeah, I, I guess I, I miss this kind of dynamic on Sora because you could have like, even on your card, like your player doing like some kind of celebration or something. But I guess the issue is like, sorry, as like basic photo licensing or something, and they don't have like videos or stuff like that. And it's, I think it's more difficult to get to this level <clears throat> with so many football leagues uh, compared to one single uh, NBA. Um, but um, I, I hope it will happen like for Sora to like having like, some movement on the cars that could be fun 
Yeah. Or maybe your more rare ones have it. Like there's something that adds that level of just value for, even (laughs) if it's not all. um, um, And what you referenced seems like those are current problems, current problems, because they only had, you know, a very small company before that $50 million raise. Maybe going forward, you're able to kind of invest a bit more in making those relationships, signing the licensing and getting those kind of agreements to improve the experience or kind of that biz aesthetics. Yeah, I think the experience can definitely take uh, lead from some of the things you say. There is, you know, there is a buzz when you open a pack at Top Shot. There is a buzz when you see, you know, a cooler dunk or block for the for the first time. Uh, and I'd like to see, yeah, the cards at Serrere have, you know, different differentiation from each other. Yes, we've got 100 Mbappes, but is there a way that we can make each of those 100 slightly different? At the moment, I can see a way whereby you could put the history of, you know, the tournament history of a card, you know, uh, maybe on the back or, you know, the, the, at least somewhere where, you know, Mbappe from one user could be, oh, this one's won five tournaments. Oh, this is an Mbappe that's only won one tournament. So again, when you go on the secondary market and you're looking to buy a card, you know, you could actually say, well, this one's more successful and therefore it might carry more value or, you know, um, but there, there are lots of different things to do. I'm, I'm a bit of a purist. I quite like the, the fact that these remind me of going back to school with my sticker album, trying to complete a few sets or a few teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if it got to the stage where they could get rights for every single, you know, football league and as you said hg celebration or you know something to commemorate you know the landmark achievements whether it be trophies or or even just a, a goal or a penalty save yeah um i think we're still scratching the surface at the at the beginning these cards are the we're in the gathering phase we're buying these cards or you're buying your moments at the moment and there there could be so much more utility on your side that you can you can get go on to enjoy with the moments you've got um, maybe there's a little bit more interaction that we can have with the with the base cards that we've all been buying over the last couple of years as well. Well, we, we actually have a at the, whenever we wrap the show, we have a, a Discord member that's going to come on and open a legendary pack that they got earlier today. So, so maybe when you guys see the, the videos <laughs> in the pack, Maxine, maybe you'll you'll be convinced that uh, the the, the yeah. play adds some some extra value. See if we sure. can convince you, turn you over to yeah. the dark side. No, no, no. But I mean, I can't play Top Shot because I'm in France anyway. So you can't convert me at all. Like I need to use a VPN <laughs> to Unconvertible. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, should you? Should we like uh, I'll take a look at Sora Data, like uh, so I can show it. you guys what's good yeah. on the on the data side in uh, in Sora. Yeah, um, and so awesome. while you're kind of pulling that up, I'll get some context. Um, so, you know, we, uh, in, in the top shot space, there's probably about like four or five different companies that are each kind of coming out with sites that are taking advantage of, um, you know, the accessible data and, uh, you know, from the blockchain and finding unique ways to kind of add value to the user. Uh, so we'd love to definitely see like, Hey, so, you know, Maxime created this company. Was it so rare data? It's called. Yeah. And, uh, you know, data analytics company seems to be very popular with these so rare players. And so would kind of love from you, love to hear from you, A, a little bit on the background, like what made you create this? And then uh, what do you think are kind of the most valuable aspects to it, to your uh, customers or to your users? Yeah, like uh, Mark is a great manager. And when you start playing Sora, you want to beat him and you need to have an edge uh, or something that uh, other players don't have. Um, if you want to be successful in tournaments, etc., and buying the right cards and buying the at the right price, also, 
Um, so basically, when I started playing Sorrel back in 2019, I was like, there's actually no market data on Sorrel. Uh, how, can I, how can I find the perfect price for the card I want to buy? How can I find the player that I want to play? Um, history stuff like, uh, and also football stats. Um, how does this player score uh, on Sorrel competitions? And um, yeah, um, at first I was doing this for myself, like having an edge on other managers, but I saw an opportunity to like having a, <clears throat> a full platform that was accessible to everyone and that is free, completely free right now. And um, yeah, so basically when you get on the home page, like you have um, uh, basic data, like what's the volume over the last 24 hours or um, all time, and then you go and see the next cards that are on auction um, and you can see like the best market price so the low the lowest ask for a card you can see the one month average price of a card and also a quick overlook of um, the past performances from a player and um, so if you see like blue or green that means like the player has good performances over the last five games or 15 games and when you click on a, um, is no, it didn't switch. Let's um, let's do this. When you click on um, a player page, like you have uh, fancy stuff saying like um, a price graph where you have like this player has been sold at which price uh, over um, a defined time frame. You can see SO five scores like. Um, um all these guys uh perform over the last games uh you can see like graphs or setting ranges for this card um and uh yeah you can do basically whatever research you like um auctions um, um ongoing auctions or ended auctions and um um that's pretty much it i mean you can <laughs> You can that's pretty player. much that's, that's very modest there's so much yeah, there's yeah, so, pretty, so much more you can, pretty much yeah that's it you know there's, there's so much more you can go to you play a lot of data on here mark what's your favorite side. thing about the site what do you use it for most often uh, at the moment it's it's to it's to play the the side games which um, which hg has, has created uh so you know we're very fortunate we've got the main what's called so5 competitions that we play on the actual platform itself um HG was then the next to create uh, side games that allowed us to use the same cards simultaneously in tournaments that uh, he'd created here. So we've got, as you can see on the on the screen, leagues and cups, and these leagues are, 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 are I think, skill based based on yeah. pre pre previous scores. So again, you get to compete in in divisions which have managers of what is a similar similar strength to yourself. Cups are a knockout. Um, so yeah, for me, it's 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 entering teams here and playing against other managers on a, on a player versus player basis. Uh, in addition to, as I say, the main game which offers the player versus the game or player versus you know all the the entire leaderboard. So yeah, it's just that heightened sense of competition uh, where again you can you you can pick your wits against uh, you know different managers from all over the world really. Um, but I think. For me, I also like to look at the the offers section, 
to take a look back at, you know, if I wake up in the morning, I'll go back and take a look at maybe the last you know, three or four pages of, you know, uh, of, of, of transactions that have taken place overnight. You know, if you see the same player's name over and over again, there might be some news that you might want to go and have a look for, or there might be a particular manager that might be selling off cards that you might think, oh, I'll approach that manager if they're selling, or even someone that's buying. So it gives you perhaps a feel for, you know, the direction of the markets over the last uh, few hours. So, yeah, I think that's invaluable as well. Um, yeah, I think I say you can get lost in the in the sheer volume of data that's there. And, uh, yeah, look, hats off. It's, it's, it's a fantastic tool that's also helped unite you know, large segments of, uh, of, of of the community. And when someone starts up a Sorare account now, you know, it's it's probably not going to be very long, five minutes, 10 minutes before somebody recommends to then also use Sorare data as a complementary tool to, to to help you get a feel for pricing of, of, of player cards. Very cool. So let me get a feel for it. So the games on this site that you've created, because I'm trying to think how maybe it could do something similar for a top shot. Um, are they paying for entry fees? Are there prizes or is it just for fun? So, How's it kind of work? So it's uh, free to entry because I'm in France and gambling issues are something I don't want to deal with. So basically it's free to enter. And uh, if you like um, end up in the top of the leaderboards in leagues, for example, you get like a very good card. And if you win a cup, you get a star card also. Uh, that is provided by Sora right now. Um, also, people are donating cards uh, to be given away in competitions. And I have built um, a bot that is buying cards. Um, that's really a funny story. Like, I, I knew you guys had trouble with bots, but our, our bots are <laughs> I was about to say, be careful, be careful. <laughs> yeah, our bots are, are a bit different because um, sometimes, like, you're selling a card and you misplace the dots and you just sell at the wrong value. And so some people saw the opportunity to build bots and just grab the card and just sell it for profit. What I did is I, I built sort of a white hat bot that was actually selling back the cards to the previous owner that, make, that made a mistake. And by doing that, I also grabbed some cards that are just not wanted anymore by uh, owners and don't want their card back. And I use those cards to like uh, up the poor the the price pool of um, competitions. So yeah, um, you can enter a Sora Data competition and play for free and get a good card if you are uh, succeeding in the competition. Very cool. Very cool. And I think again, just to add on that, in in terms of utility, I mean, HG set the trend. You know, there's been. Sorare Mega, there's Ubisoft, you know, we're very fortunate now that, you know, we you, you could go and buy just five cards today off the market, as I said, goalie, defender, midfielder, forward, another card. The chances are that you could probably enter three or four different tournaments simultaneously over the same game week to give yourself, you know, and there's even, you know, there's competitions on Discord as well to win cards. So there's a lot of different ways that you can put these cards to work for you. Yep. You might just come in and initially think, I'll just buy a few and they'll look nice and they'll have them as keepsakes. But there are people that take this very seriously to the point where they are building collections to play across different websites, you know, every day of the week, pretty much. And so, you know, there's, and when you see the, you know, I mean, we've obviously seen the sort of prices that your most scarce moments command, you know, and people turning down million dollars and, you know, card uh, moments trading hands for, you know, hundred to $200,000. 
you know there are there are cards on here that you know regularly trading on a day-to-day basis three to five to ten to twenty thousand dollars equivalent and you know when you can put the right five together and they hit you know on on that week you know the you know there was segwin was it uh, a couple of weeks ago wins the mbappe super rare you know it's a hundred thousand dollar it's a hundred thousand dollar payday for you know getting getting to the top of, of a particular leaderboard and okay that was an exception because mbappe was on fire at the time that's like winning a you know lebron moment um but on a regular basis i would estimate there's there's there's, there's a good a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars worth of cards and eth which are which which are being won by you know managers playing the game and it, it's it's there for the taking so you can you can sort of see why the the values are pegged to to the utility like they are yeah cool. i think this is awesome uh i'm uh, i think there's a lot that can be learned just from a utility aspect and uh whether it is top shop building it or whether it is we do have one called swish but like third parties kind of uh similar to what we've seen here but uh no this is just fantastic to see yeah but i uh, uh, like it's like so that has like it's been built like for 10 months or something so i i think you have to give time also to the top shot ecosystem to uh, build its own tools and its own uh, side games but yeah i think like obviously um using moments will be definitely key for uh, users to continue buying uh, moments and not just look at the collection side, but also the utility side. And I know you guys, like in the US, are big fan of DFS. And uh, uh, I mean, it's very popular. Unless, like, it's not very popular in France or in some part of Europe. So it's a bit different. But I think like some third parties will definitely create some amazing games. And also, why not um, Dapper Labs also create games? And that could also. Um, be using other cards that they will be building um, in other platforms or other games. I mean, the main side game you guys have got at the moment, if I'm right, is is and the thing that I like one of the the the, the thing I like the most, I think, about Top Shot is when you've got certain moments and you've got the ability to then unlock another one by just collecting the right ones. And I think again, we don't have that surround. That's something which I think would help take and add value to a different cross-section of cards that we've got in right. circulation. I think there's about 3,000 player cards. And if you look at the ones which are competing towards the top of the leaderboard, there's probably only 15 to 20% of those which you're going to do some damage with and win prizes with. But if you were to- if we were told tomorrow, right, if you got these 10 players or you got 10 players from this particular team and that would unlock something which you couldn't get at auction, uh, that would only be issued you know, as a one-off from, from Sorare, then I think that would cause, you know, uh, a ripple effect to, again, perhaps some of the less loved cards in the database. Uh, and if they were given utility in a different way, I think, again, that could ignite and, you know, awaken, you know, perhaps more of the collectors within the within the game. Uh, because, yeah, I, I see that every time Glorious was like, OK, right, we need to go and find this one, this one and this one, because this one's up for grabs that you can't get in a pack, you know, then that's exciting. And I think that's something which we may be missing and hopefully will find its way into Sorare at some point. Yeah, we've definitely seen the challenges be one of the most popular aspects of Top Shot. One of the things that gets talked about the most on Twitter, people are always wondering, you know, is it worth it to complete the challenge? Should I should I be going for it? Should I sell my challenge moment? So yeah, I think that that would probably be a, a nice addition to the so rare experience too. And I, I just feel like 
you know, ho hopefully the two companies are at least looking at each other a little bit because I'm sure there's a lot to be learned on both sides and really excited to see how they, they both grow over the coming weeks, months, and years. Yeah, definitely. Good TJ, deal. I know it is uh, very early in the morning for these gentlemen. I know, I was going to say, um, I think it's about time. I don't want to, like, you know, get them too excited before they go to bed, but uh, I think it's time for us to uh, rip open a legendary pack. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's I'm excited anyway. So we've got two, uh, we've got two folks waiting in the wings here. Let's bring them onto the stream. So we've got producer Coop and we've got Mike, AKA Topo West coast here. He was able to get a legendary pack. He's got his cap on the wrong way around. Don't recognize you. There it is. Thanks so, hey, Mike, me. thanks thanks for joining us. Yeah, Mike is a, a member of the Own the Moment Discord, a.k.a. the Mission Control Center. Said he had a legendary pack, so we thought we would bring him on to the stream tonight so we can uh, let the people know. Producer Coop did get one as well, but we are reserving that for Wednesday night's show. So you'll have to see yeah. that. You'll have Look, to wait looking, for Coops. Looking at this legendary pack for the next 48 hours is going to be <laughs> wow. a huge, huge challenge. I, but, I could probably uh, wait four hours, man. All right, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Did uh, Let's see here. So there's there's 17 LeBrons still in a pack. So, so just so you guys know, I know I know very little about NBA basketball, and I normally get the worst person in the packs. <laughs> so there's that. Just just that want to start. It's all being saved up for tonight. <laughs> Mike was texting me in the in the background saying, "When is uh, OTM NFT going to be loading in the recent sales because of Top Shot not having that anymore?" So, if, if only there was a site I could, you know, look up all the data <laughs> if I know how to post my my pack prices. You know, all right. If you buy Coming some in, cards, plug the website. If you buy some cards, you're covered already. So, <laughs> to, to, to buy in my pet tomorrow. All righty. All right. Don't forget the. Did you click the share audio? I believe so. All right. Oh, there's audio too. Wow. Good luck, man. All right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So let's see if we get a sound. What you're going to do is hover. Here we go. So we're going to open it. Hover, hover over the various ones, and you'll see the color. The blue is MGLE, and then there's going to be a multicolor one. All right. That right there is the hollow. So that one last, you think? That oh, one yeah. Last. For, for sure last. Work it off. Come on! All right. We'll start with some common guys. You guys have to help me out here. Nice. Josh, oh, this is fantastic. So we got Josh Hart. Josh Hart is one of the investors in Dapper Lab. He is one of the most active uh, NBA players on the site. Uh, and so we've got right now a pretty, pretty exciting moment just given this kind of interaction with him. And he also has a Great Ethereum, Elite Punk. That's his top shot debut. That is going to be that player's first debut. Nice. 
Not bad cereal, not bad cereal. So for Mark and Maxine, you can see they have these badges that have just been added to show what they're they're looking good, HD, are they? But there's no Nicholas Palo, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I need one. I need one. Alright, we got a Carl Anthony Towns. Last 30 pounds today. Auction pretty high material there. Peace out. Alright, alright. That's alright. My last pack, I got all good comments. And an okay. Come on! Okay, rare one, so. Alright. Uh, right. We got a couple more comments. Two more comments. Mellow. Mellow? Possibly in his final year in the NBA. Maybe he's got another one. He fits into my old guy strategy where it's left by the moment for guys who aren't going to have many more years left. Come on. Which is the opposite of what you would do with Joe Ray. Two more comments. Damn, you were just crushing with his low serial numbers. Yeah, Mr. I was going to say, all the serial numbers have been low. Yeah, Mr. Dunk Alex Bridges. He is just becoming Mr. Top Shot with what he's been doing on the floor. Just all these all-star slam dunks. Um, he's even got the Lamello behind the back. That's first there. I like that. Again, first zero. I got yeah, top, top middle one more time. Yeah, top, top middle, and then we're yeah. ready to go on to the MGLE. Okay. Jamal Murray. Nice. In the hometown squad. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. With the Nuggets. Nuggets have been on a tear. I need to deal with what they're doing in the playoffs. Yeah. MGLE, All right, here we here go. go. Let's go. Leveling up. MGLEs. Here we go. Alright, alright. As you guys can see, Mark and that came to the MGLEs are all going to be at $4.99. So that's the highest you can get. The previous ones were all $35,000 for the top shot debut. The guys' first moment was $12,000. Let's, let's get a two digit serial here this next one. Two, di two digit serial. Two digit? All right. I think uh, this is the one here. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. Deshaun I will say overall the MGLEs are a bit uh, a bit light in talent. Uh, and it's really just, uh, a little bit hard to but that's pretty pretty in general that MGLEs are available. What? You're getting the rookie? You got two badges? Yeah, two badges. Yo, JV. Alright. What is he going to pull? How many? We got 17 LeBrons we've got? Seven, 17 LeBrons left. Here's the money, show. Alright. This is 17. it. This One is time. it. That's kind of one. Here we go. Let's see. This is the big one. 
Chug the beer, chug the beer. Show me the Lakers. Here we go, here we go. Lakers, Lakers. Oh, okay. Okay. Randall. Randall. I knew it was going to be Randall. I have a Randall. <laughs> yeah, he's done. All right. Uh, he's All right. 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 And that for the next six years. If they uh, actually make the playoffs, then he's going to be a major reason. Yeah, if Knicks make the playoffs, that could be great. I have the uh, All Star game right Oh, nice. Okay. Well, congratulations. Overall, pretty strong. Pretty strong. You got a rookie MBA. You got a first moment. Well, let's see if we can act out of this. Yeah. There we go. Well, all righty. That's fun. I, right, I want one. I want one. <laughs> like, I, I never saw a pack opening before, and I'm like, I need this. I mean, <laughs> I understand why guys, why you guys are buying so much packs. Like, I want this one. Like, I think I could watch all day a person opening packs, like just on Twitch. Like, I, I would be down to do that. Like, no, the, the, the experience of opening a pack is crazy good. Like, um, it reminds me of FIFA. I played FIFA quite, uh, quite a bit, and um, yeah, definitely something we're missing uh, on Sora right now. Like. Why? I, yeah, I but do they get the same buzz of the auction? Ah. You know, those final seconds yeah. where you're the leader on an auction and then it goes to zero and then you refresh and you see your name <laughs> is still there. That's a that's a good buzz as well. Maybe not as exotic as yeah. watching a video clip and listening to some booming music, but... But you also oh. get like the <laughs> the overbeat at the last second. Like you refresh and you don't yeah. see your name anymore and some guys... <laughs> Overbeat Mr. you, sorry. Mr. Yeah. Crap, who's woken up. <laughs> Why not, yes. bro? We, are, we, we have, have been talking a lot about getting auctions uh, or some other form of kind of uh, bids or some form of, you know, marketplace action that's not just low ask. And uh, yeah, auctions, yeah. I think, would be a, a huge boost uh, to the ecosystem. On, on some of your, you've got some moments which are like one of three. Uh, the, the, are they going to get auctioned off when when, when are they happening because they'll be they'll be mental i can imagine the amount of people that you've got queuing for packs and then being told hey guys there's three of these off you go good luck i think you know you can see some enormous numbers there yeah they have they have not been released yet they have been created minted so we know what they are um there's been hints about what they'll do with them auction is the likely one it may be they're gonna, it's going to be something big, but there haven't been anything set out yet. Um, but, but, but why do three when you can do one? Because they're going to have one as well. Okay. I mean, Eventually. it makes sense yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, um, interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I think uh, off-season would be a great time to do that because that's when, you know, hey, we, they want to make sure that when they're doing it, they have all the marketing is open. They are ready for scale. I don't know if they're going to wait till they're out of beta or what it is. Um, but without a doubt, like they want to make sure that the, it's big enough um, that, the, you know, it, because it's going to be so big, the companies need to be able to deal with the, the scale, the marketing, the handling, and all that. Um, and I think off-season would be a great time for it when there are other kind of lulls and build that excitement. Yeah, I want packs now, but I can't <laughs> buy packs because I'm French. That's why everyone just yeah. has one packs. Just one pack. <laughs> one packs. Just, uh, how much does uh, this pack cost? Like, uh, it costs a thousand. Okay. 
So but you can with a legendary card, you can oh moment sorry, you can expect to resell them for more than a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and that's why there's fifty eight thousand people that were in line for it today, and there were only twenty some hundred. Um, so you had around a three to four percent chance to get it today. Oh yeah. Uh, And then the other pack. So if you didn't get that, you got a $9 pack. And so I got a $9 pack and that's probably going to be worth, I don't know, maybe $20 or something like, yeah. So basically you don't really care about what's inside your pack. Like if you get one, you're already lucky and you, you, you're already happy. Yeah. The legendary, like you care because if yeah. you got the LeBron, you can probably yeah, get it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's a massive payday if you get a, a LeBron. Well, we joked about this the before the show as well. And the fact that. <laughs> Does this mentality of buying the packs and just being in the queue, do you really care if it's basketball? Could be any sport, couldn't it? You just you just want to buy a pack for a thousand because it's got a chance of being worth five thousand or ten thousand. How much? What percentage of the user base really is fanatical about NBA and who's just there to see if they can, uh, you know, grab grab the money before uh, the music stops? And I think there's a third bucket for you. you don't have to be fanatical about the NBA, but just yeah. be an NBA fan and enjoy the product and the experience. But uh, without a doubt, there are definitely some who are in it just for the cash. And they eventually, maybe they'll leave, maybe they stay, maybe they won't because, you know, maybe it won't be as easy to get packs if they're not active. Maybe they're not going to be as valuable in the future. It's still so new and so early, but it's definitely one of the challenges that we deal with. Something that I you guess didn't mention. Yeah. Something that we didn't mention, like on Soria, and what's being crazy about Soria is like when you buy a card from a player that you don't even know and never watched him play, like you're going to start watching games like you would have never watched in your entire life without Soria. And like right now, Mark and I are basically like uh, experts on Belgian football and It doesn't make any sense, but I think like uh, both of us are watching games like Bruges uh, against some shady city in Belgium, just like we, just like because like we have cards that are playing. So that's for fan engagement. It's like it's crazy. It's crazy good for clubs. Definitely. Alrighty, gentlemen, I know it's extremely late for you guys. Really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thought it was an awesome conversation. Learned a ton from, from you guys. Hopefully, you guys learned a little bit about Top Shot as well, or at least learned how sweet it is to open a pack. Yeah. If nothing yeah. else, that is what we got out of this conversation. So thanks to, to you both, and I think we're going to go ahead and, and shut her down for the night. So we'll do a, a quick outro here. So on behalf of Justin, on behalf of producer Coop, on behalf of Mike, And our very special guests, Maxime and Mark. I am TJ Lasig, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks, all.